Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, guys? You are listening to Nick Ish. You got your boys Mo, Faiz, Sid, and Dean on this episode. This is the start of season six. First time Nick has dropped an episode. It was the start of the Kevin Knox era and David Fisdale era. So we've been talking Nick's basketball for a long time, and this season feels a little bit different, but good, good vibes so far. Uh, the Knicks are two games into the preseason. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, check out our website, nick-ish.com. Cop yourself a Nickish hoodie. Cop yourself a Nickish crew neck, which are on sale right now for a limited time. We got some dad hats and such, and we got new pieces dropping later in November. So keep your post notifications on. It's going to be way different from what we've been selling so far. And uh, we got some surprises coming up, so make sure you check that out. Want to give a quick shout out to Mill, who did some awesome interviews for Nick's Legends. So you check that out on Mill Media and our Instagram, Nickish NYC. Give her a follow. She interviewed John Starks, Alan Houston, Greg Anthony, and she did a fucking killer job. So make sure you check that out. Now passing it over to my guy Faiz. What is going on, man? How you feeling this morning? Feeling good, man. We got a <clears throat> we got a full house. You know, all of, all of the Nickish guys here. It's it's exciting to record a pod with. Sid and Dean, Mo, you're not going to get that much love because I've recorded way too many times with you. But uh, recording with uh, Sid and Dean for the first time to start this season, get a few preseason games in, and you know how can you not be excited? Ten days away from real Knicks basketball, like I'm I'm jumping with joy. I mean, you know, the Liberty kind of taking a little bit of that away, but I'll stick to Knicks basketball for now. Uh, Speaking of the Liberty, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my guy Sid in. Sid, how you feeling? Um, not great about the Liberty. Not great about Emmanuel quickly. Pretty great about the Knicks, though. So it's it's been a long morning of emotions and realizations for me, but it's fine. We'll all be fine. Dean, how you feeling, bro? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling especially good now that Mo mentioned the David Fisdale era. It makes everything about going into this season just a little bit sweeter. I often forget that in the not so distant past. There was just that was dark. The David Fisdale era was dark. And we didn't know it either. We thought we were going in in a new era. We had the young guy. We got Knox. We got the KD V2 on our team. Fisdale's. He looked all about so the good data. in high school I mean, and college. I know. A priest Bro, and a summer league. Stay. Summer league Knox is a legend. Yeah. Dude, the words that came out of my mouth is this guy could be the next Jason Tatum. I'm so embarrassed to say that out loud. I'm so, but like he had like all the proto, like, like the physical features that I don't know. He, I thought he had it, man. It was so embarrassing. Like I thought the wing issues for the Knicks has finally been solved and lo and behold. <laughs> Just did not have that dog in him. That nope. there was absolutely none of that dog factor with Kevin Knox. You know what? Like the nexus point was for like Kevin Knox being terrible and like it, didn't even happen like with Kevin Knox. Like it definitely happened when uh what year was it? Had to be 2015 or 2016 when they didn't take Malik Monk. I was just like, yeah, that was like the nexus point for like all the future Knicks wings problems. Cause I was just like, 
you need to take him there or like when they didn't take book or just like any of the like Kentucky guards they could have taken at that, like in that era of Kentucky is just like every time, just like they're finally going to take one and he's not going to be the one. And it was Kevin Knox. And I was so right about it. And I hate myself for it. I think the logic was sound that when we drafted him, I at least made sense of it in my own head. Cause I'm like, all right, fine. We've been going, we've been playing with all these vets. Let's get this young guy with potential who fills in that wing position. And I think, I think this was after Frank, right? This was the year after Frank. I uh, was like, yo, we got a six foot three, six foot four point guard. Let's add Knox, and they're both like nineteen years old. And let's 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 start this from the bottom up. And I don't know, it it was kind of like it was the boring pick. Um, Mikhail Bridges was rumored that was to a guy. at that spot like for a while, and then it was like, well, Kevin Knox. Showed all these tools and he's a few years younger and he averaged this many points per game at Kentucky. But that was from like, from what I recall, like kind of a down year for Kentucky. They had Shea, uh, who, I mean, we needed a point guard badly. We needed every position. That might have been the year where it said team needs everything during the draft. Yeah. Um, But Mikhail Bridges was there. I feel like this front office would have drafted Bridges or Shea. So it's, it's just too bad that uh, they weren't there at the time. But we do have a young wing that the Knicks drafted who's looking really good in preseason with R.J. Barrett, getting to the line at will, making the free throws, made his first 10 of the preseason. What have you guys thought about R.J. so far? Uh, I guess I'll go first. Um, Well, one, it's good to see him making free throws. Like, that's maybe... Yeah, probably the biggest reasonable knock on RJ Barrett is the fact that he just didn't make free throws at a very high clip. So, like, you can't be a scoring guard and not make free throws. That doesn't really make sense in my mind, especially because when so much of your game is like the free throw line, uh, free throw line below. Like, it it just doesn't make sense to me for, for you to be that bad at free throws. And so if, you know, he continues to improve and shoots like, what, 84 85%. I think I'd be happy with whatever product RJ comes out to be making free throws at whatever clip he should be. Yeah, I mean, Dean, your point is so great. Like, a, a, a wing that can get to the rim at will. I think we've been seeing a lot of that where he has been, like, imposing himself uh, continuously. And that was some of the stuff that we like to see during the playoffs. And, you know, I'm hoping that this is the year where we don't have to go through that start of the season, R.J. Barrett slump. He did look pretty good so far through, through the preseason. I think one of my main concerns was just, like, some of the silly turnovers. I've seen a lot of, like, strong passes that just came out the hands of – I mean, I will say, like, I don't know where to where to key it in on. Is it, like, on Jericho Sims that he's not prepared for the pass, or is it because R.J. is going a little too quick? But, you know, I saw, like – I remember last night specifically, there was two plays in a row where – RJ has two turnovers in a row and it's it's that that part of it's still a little frustrating because you know you've been in the league for a little bit you're you're hoping you get comfortable with these guys because these are also guys you've been playing with for the last two years Sims not as much but you know Isaiah Harnstein and stuff so um I, I'm I'm hoping to see him continue to get to the rim but then uh benefit from passing out in the, in a lot of those moments because he's not very efficient around the rim but if he can do what he did in the playoffs where he's using those tools and skills to set up other players and whatnot, I I think it could be a really good year for RJ. Yeah. I mean, I think that RJ slump is a really great point because every season we see him start off 
cool. And then he ends up building himself back up. And towards the end of the season, we see, you know, likely the best of RJ. And last season during the playoffs, he was arguably better than Rand. I mean, he, he was better than Rand. He was probably their second best player offensively after Brunson. And to see him start off this season, at least his preseason, you know, his decision-making is so great. I mean, you know, start off the game. I think he got the second and third basket after, after the rebound, Randall just threw it out to him and he just drove straight in and his drives have always been strong. He doesn't finish strong, but at least he's getting his free throw. He's getting to the foul line. He's shooting nine for 12 or nine of 10. And um, we saw that one play where he drove in and found Mitch on the lob and, and Mitch got, had a beautiful alley-oop right there. Uh, we saw plenty of pull-up, top of the keys kickouts so his decision his decision making is strong and i'm gonna start letting go of the whole oh he's only you know x years old i mean he's 23 years old but he's in his fifth season so we need to see rj start to come into his own he might not be that superstar player that we were hoping for when he was first drafted i mean we we still hope for that but i think brink level all-star caliber player is kind of rj's realm right now He'll need to work harder to get past that, but I think that's kind of that's kind of the player that he is, and that's not bad at all. I mean, he's averaging twenty points per game every season or at the, at the last two seasons. So if he's able to do that, take the pressure off Brunson, take the pressure off Randall, be that third banana on this team uh, at a consistent level, not ups and downs, not ebbs and flows. He just needs to do it consistently for the first time in, in his NBA career. That's going to be a successful season for him. Yeah, and the free throw shooting is huge for him. Last night he was two of eight from three and was like otherwise a pretty good game for him. I still don't trust the three ball too much with him. Looks like he's shooting with some confidence though. He took one, granted it was late in the clock, uh, I think the second quarter, but he took one nice like sidestep three. It looked like it was in rhythm, but he was two for eight from there. And I also want to mention, I've mentioned it like plenty of times on Twitter X, whatever we're calling it in the past, but Quentin Grimes really rushes his threes. Like he was 0 for three from downtown yesterday. And I'm just, I'm worried about this, honestly, because like he's got competition at that shooting guard spot. And when he's just, he's got, he catch and shoot should be like an in rhythm three for a guy who's supposed to be a great shooter. And he just rushes it every time. It's like, you could tell he's thinking about practice and like in practice, they're definitely emphasizing getting his shots up quick. But when it comes to actual game situations, it feels like he's not adjusting. And I'm worried that he might get overshadowed by Josh Hart and DiVincenzo and quickly, you know, I think Grimes might be the guy that people are talking about when they talk about tinkering with the rotations, the starting lineup. I think he could find himself as the odd man out because everybody behind him can defend. And if he's not hitting threes, like he had that one baseline dunk yesterday, but the three is the most important part of Quentin Grimes offense. And I just wish he wasn't rushing them like this. Yeah, to your point, I think it will be a there will be some tinkering with with the point guards in the lineup. I just don't think it'll be as a starter. I feel like Tibbs likes Grimes enough to want to continue to put him out there. I think his defense is good enough where he's going to want to keep him out there. But I do have a level of concern for closing out games where that's where decision making, like taking too quick of a three, or you, it's like what you baseline dunk where it's like. You can tell he's like, should I do this? Should I like do this first quick step and take this dunk, or should I just shoot this three? And then if he's shooting the three, he's just gonna let it go. He's just gonna let it go real quick, which you know, in some situations can be beneficial, but in a lot of situations where if he's rushing it, I agree with you fully, Dean. And I think you're right. Like there's a there's a huge chance that like he might 
out like he might get himself played out of that I want to say closing uh lineup where maybe someone who has a little bit more experience like DiVincenzo where you know maybe he will take that three or maybe he's gonna pass it out maybe he's gonna you know defer to someone else where Quentin Grimes I feel like a lot of the times he gets the ball and he gets tunnel vision he's like I'm gonna shoot this I'm gonna shoot this so we're we'll see what really ends up happening with the closing lineup maybe Josh Hart might even take a lot of those minutes away from him because maybe RJ will stay consistent in in, in the uh closing lineup because I do feel like, you know, all this talk about RJ, it's like, I want to see his high floor, which he does have a high floor, be just more, a little bit more consistent. Cause then I like those little flashes he has of a, a higher ceiling because the, the higher ceiling we don't see as often, but the floor, if he can just keep it a little bit more consistent, that's what the Knicks need, you know, some more consistency in that, in that starting lineup. So hopefully these guys can, can give it to them. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, dive too deep into my thoughts for this because it is a preseason game, but it is crucial for Quinn Grimes to show out because this is this is kind of a tryout for the rotation. And when you have Dante DiVincenzo, who's three years older, who's a vet, who's basically in his quote-unquote prime, we know how Thibodeau is as a coach. He's going to trust DiVincenzo over Grimes if, if DiVincenzo is at least consistent with how he plays and he's able to drop three. We've seen him pickpocket players twice yesterday alone and, and get those open dunks. So, I mean, DiVincenzo's playing into his role. Grimes might be overthinking at the moment. I mean, young guy gunning it from the three. He shouldn't be doing that. He We've seen improved decision-making last season because he got better with those first steps after the catch because people assume he's going to do a catch and shoot. But um, those those shots, he can't be – he can't fall into an IQ kind of mindset where he just – throws it up and takes quick shots because he has a beautiful form but if he's rushing it that's going to fuck with his shot um and then you got you got guys like in the background like evan Fournier is dropping three of six i mean granted his defense was garbage and he saw a minus 15 in the game but that three-pointer is dropping we know that earlier in the season chips gonna is tips is gonna try to tinker with his lineup he's gonna try to figure out what's gonna work i mean if grimes is only dropping four points off like three shots and you see Evan Fournier at least trying and working his ass off that could, that could mess up with Grimes's minutes. I'm not saying Fournier's going to start, but he did make a point this off season and you see him trying and working much harder than at least Grimes, in my opinion. Yeah. So with all of this, I'm kind of just postulating about what the like initial end of game lineup looks like, because there's some interesting choices here. Like, you have to finish out with Brunson. Um, you probably finish out with RJ. Randall, I don't know if you finish out with him, especially like because Josh Hart could be there. IQ could finish out. And then I don't know if we play small ball there or or finish with Mitch. So there's a lot of interesting things going into this lineup. And I, I think we'll see probably we'll probably see like a, a very good uh lineup i think at some point or i would like to see it at least a lineup of like brunson um brunson josh hart divincenzo randall and like mitch like i feel like that might like that that might look a little funny on court but i feel like that might be an an interesting little thing to to tinker around with and, and have some fun with but but yeah um like dean says it's you know, we could probably look the, at the catch and shoot numbers and the the quick seconds and all that stuff for for um Quentin Grimes and and see that there is some rushing going on and this is something that's kind of plagued him since he was at Kansas. Really, it's like he can very easily be played off 
if you if you make him overthink what he what he has to do and of course like that role has become more secure as as he's gotten older and more mature as a player but at the same time um yeah it, it would be unfortunate to see the young guy fall out but also that would make for an interesting trade piece later down the line um if if Quentin Grimes was to uh fall out because he is a first round pick he is relatively young and he's pretty good when he wants to be and so that brings us to uh my least favorite set of rumors from this past week um you know, everyone knows I go up for my Kentucky guys I, I love Cat he lived across the hall from me for a year that was real fun oh shit okay That's yeah fucking sick yeah yeah him and uh yeah him and book and all of them were they were they were funny they're real funny guys um but there have been rumors of car anthony towns coming to town uh he is from new jersey he um family family is from from the area and everything like that uh went to high school up in new jersey of course, you think of Calipari, you think of the big city, you think of Kentucky, you think of World Wide West, you think of Leon Rose, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And how, how are we feeling, guys? What, what do we think about some some Carl Anthony to, to New York? And who are you willing to ship out for Carl Anthony Towns? So I'm a little troubled by these rumors, too, because I just don't see the fit. Um, if it was like a one-for-one one proposition, what player do I like more between Cat and Julius Randle, let's say? It's probably Cat. But then Cat playing next to Rudy Gobert, the offensive numbers have been awful in Minnesota. So I wouldn't be on board at all with bringing Cat in to be the four next to a non-shooting center because we're seeing how that looks. And like the Knicks' current starting five has such a positive net rating. It works so well. Um, and I just don't see it as a fit. And then if Cat's coming in to replace Mitch and we still have Randall, I think that that's good for the spacing, that's good for the offense and for Randall, but puts a big cap on what we can do defensively. I just don't see it as the upgrade that needs to be made. And then you look at the contract, it's like $55 million, $61 million for Cat. And I know the cap is going up, but is he going to make that much of a difference? Like I would bet more than 50% chance the starting lineup would be less effective if we tried to squeeze cat in there because he's a tough he's a tough fit we've seen it in minnesota he's, he's just a little bit of a tough fit i don't know exactly what to do with that and yeah. i i truly oh sorry I, i'm just saying i think like the ceiling of the knicks with carl anthony towns versus now probably around the same like realistically you know like an eastern conference finals maybe but like i don't i don't think you know, I think we'd have to luck into it. Like second round, seven games, probably, probably like a good place for the Knicks to, like for us to say like the Knicks is their, you know, their their top for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 totally with you guys. I, like hearing the rumors, seeing NBA Central put out that disgusting graphic with Conte Towns ranked 33. It was all like disheartening. It was sickening. It was it was gross to see, but uh. On top of that, it's like, like, Cat just seems like such a old Knicks move. Like, seems like such a Steve Mills type of Knicks move. And I just want to stay completely away from it. I think Dean made some really valid points about the lineup and how he'll fit in. Um, I think also, like, 
I don't really I know uh, his uh his assist numbers were kind of up. It was closer to five assists a game last year, but like I don't really see him as that playmaker that Randall can be a lot of the times where I feel like Randall's making a few better passes. So I'm not really I'm not really excited to to even talk about Carl Anthony Towns on the Knicks at all. I mean, I could see him playing with Brunson a little bit better, but I'm with you where Mitch, Mitch and Cat next to each other sounds disgusting. And then putting Cat and Randall next to each other sounds, I don't know, somehow worse. I can't, I can't even explain it. So um I, I don't think this would be the place where the Knicks should be cashing in their assets. But I'll say it with a caveat, like if you're getting him for like pennies on the dollar, like if you can add another superstar by while still adding him, I'm not fully opposed to it because the idea of having, like, it's going to be hard to already add one more superstar without completely emptying the clip. But if you can somehow add two superstars, I'd, I'd be down for it a little bit more because it's kind of like the Drew Holiday thing where, like, like the idea of Drew Holiday coming and another superstar would have been cool, but Drew Holiday is also much older. We're not, like... We're not investing in the future as much. It's a win now move. Uh, Cat would definitely be a win now move if you're talking about that, but he's still relatively young enough where we could see something a little different than someone like Drew Holiday per se. But I say all that to say, I hope Colin D. Towns is not wearing a Knicks jersey anytime soon. I, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I mean, in, in basketball age, he's not that young. He's going to turn 28 in like a month. Um, So he's basically like, set in in his ways and he's a guy who just doesn't play defense he offensively he's extremely talented but the interesting thing is that the wolves are the only team in the nba that have three top espn ranked top 25 players and i don't take it that seriously but it's still important they still have rudy gobert and they have anthony edwards and they're still just made it they're in the playoff they're in the play-in tournament last year and they made it to the eighth seed and they got they had a gentleman sweep against the nuggets so with Rudy Gobert on his team and Anthony Edwards, he didn't play that well. He doesn't play defense. So I don't think he's a good fit at all with the Knicks. He That boy is soft. In New York with the media and the kind of fans that are here, he's going to break within a season. I mean, Randall has dealt with a lot and he still is going through it. I don't think Towns has thick skin at all. So, Bro, I mean, talent aside, oh talent God. aside, you need that realm of thick skin to survive in New York towns is not that guy. He is not going to be able to survive at all. The moment he opens his mouth after a a poorly played game, he's going to get destroyed on Twitter. He's going to get destroyed by the media. It's never going to work. He's in Minnesota and he still gets clowned for imagine him in New York. It's we're never going to hear the end of it. We don't need that distraction here. Yeah. My thing is, we have a center who's extremely effective, and then we have one of the best backup centers in the league. And obviously having a center who's one of the best three-point shooting bigs of all time um, would be huge. Like, it would it would be nice, but our center just demolished the Cavs front court in the first round of the playoffs and was, like, probably the biggest catalyst for us gentlemen sweeping the Cavs. So we're not weak at center. And then if we were talking about trying to upgrade at power forward, I don't think Cat is a better power forward than Randall. I think he's a better player um, ever so slightly. But Cat at the four, lumbering around, we get slower as a team. Um, to an earlier point, the playmate, like Cat's, Cat's an all right passer, but at the four, I just think Julius Randall is a more dynamic playmaker. And yeah, I just don't see Cat as the guy to push the chips in for at all. 
Yeah. I mean, especially when you talk about that contract that he has. Um, I think fights you mentioned it, right? It was like what fifth something. What what's the number that we have? I have five year, 158 mil. When he's when you bring that contract in here, it's gonna be an issue for all the young players that we have on the team right now. We're talking about their contracts. Right now we have team friendly contracts for all of our top players. Whether you're talking about Brunson, you're talking about Randall, or you're talking about RJ, all very team friendly contracts. You bring Towns in here, it's going to be a problem when you're talking about re-signing IQ, when you're talking about re-signing Grimes, you're talking about re-signing uh, Hartenstein down the road. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough fit, and you're kind of hampering yourself when you bring in that guy. When you want that, if you want that guy to come in, he needs to be that player that's going to take you to the finals. There's a reason why Carl Anthony Towns hasn't made it ever past the second round of the NBA playoffs. He's played with Jimmy Butler. He's had Andrew Wiggins. He has Rudy Gobert. He has Anthony Edwards. He still hasn't done it. Um, the, all that's to say is I think we could transition to another contract conversation in Emmanuel quickly because he has – the Knicks have eight days. October 23rd is really the deadline to extend Emmanuel quickly. Um, and if they don't extend him, he's going to be a restricted free agent down the road. So any one of you guys want to take a stab on why the Knicks might not extend him? Uh yeah. Like I said, this makes this made me sad. Um and for those of our listeners who might be casual basketball fans, um long story short, TLDR, when a uh when a guy is a restricted free agent, um you are basically subject to whatever stupid contract another team is willing to give someone um if you want that player back. Um and so what that means why the Knicks may not extend him now. Um, the idea of trading Emmanuel quickly has probably popped up just because there has to be an odd man out somewhere, uh, you know, long-term assets, blah, 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 uh, the whole nine yards. But um, we looked at the contracts earlier and we're looking at money and Emmanuel quickly is worth more than probably $25 million a year if you're giving him more than like 28 minutes in a game. So that means uh, he might be on his way out one way or another. But uh, yeah, Dean, you want to you wanna pontificate more upon this, my friend? Yeah, I want to provide some context. Um, I've got the list here of just like, sweet. Thank you. All NBA salaries in like a descending order. So we think of quickly, I say like the first number that might pop into your head for yearly value is like, let's say we started around 20 million. Who makes $20 million? So the 70th highest player, highest paid player in the NBA is Miles Turner. He makes like just under 21. And then it, these are all the guys who make 19 or $20 million a year. Clint Capella, Lonzo, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Hunter, Jared Allen, Boyan Bogdanovich, Keldon Johnson, Joe Harris, Pirtle, Buddy Heald. Next on the list is actually Evan Fournier. So I think that he's like solidly, especially because the deal is going to be coming now that the cap is rising. He's solidly above that. Um, Buddy Heald will definitely range... get more too. What was that? Like that? Buddy Heald. He's another one. Like he'll, whatever contract he gets after he gets out of, where is he at? Indiana. He'll, he'll get like a ridiculous super shooter deal. Something like that. Yeah. I think the better barometer for quickly is, 
once you get to like around 60, like the 60, 60th highest paid player in the league is Anthony Simons making 24, then 26, then 27 and a half. Uh, RJ is at 61, 24, then 25 and a half, then 27 and a half, then 29. I think that's around his value. And like Kyle Kuzma, a deal that was just signed. This is actually a descending contract, but Kyle Kuzma is going to make 25 million year one. Cam Johnson, 25 million year one. So Cam Johnson, Kyle Kuzma, those are like, you know, top tier sixth man borderline starters. They're making 25 million. I think 25 million that, you know, that Sid brought up is is that number. I think that it's going to be four for a hundred or something along those lines. I hope he does get extended. I hope that it's locked in going into the year. You have any other Knicks con- uh, context you could add, like Randall's contract or Brunson's contract? Yeah, Brunson was about like 24. Yeah, we mentioned RJ is making 24 this year. That goes up to 29 in the last year of that deal, three years from now. Um, Julius Randle is the 48th highest paid player in the league, 28 mil this year, then 30, then 32. Jalen Brunson, 26 this year, then 24 and 24 the next two years. So Brunson, we know we got him at a steal. Like he's not a measure of a ridiculous one. Just a ridiculous steal. I don't know how we got him in free agency. No sign and trade. Like an elite, elite signing. Oh, the descending contract. Oh my gosh. That's crazy that after like all those years of not having a point guard and having just the most hilarious point guard situation in the league when you put it on paper, we got Jalen Brunson at a discount. We deserve it. We absolutely deserve it. Yeah. Because because the reason why that's important is because if IQ comes in and then he gets $25 million a year and your star point guard, your most important player there is making less than him, it doesn't make sense. It's not going to make sense. IQ cannot make $25 million. He It'll be hard for him to even make $20 million if he were to stay on the Knicks. If the Knicks are able to sign him to a contract where he's averaging $20 or $21 million, that's a that's a fucking steal for, for the Knicks and for us fans. It's going to be tough to to you know say that that number is all right especially since we don't know where iq fits in the rotation right now he's not going to be playing 28 minutes there's too many players in that two three kind of position right now that are playing just as well as iq is at least in these first two preseason games i mean i can use to show that he's a playmaker he needs to show that he's a better shot taker and better decision maker um three things that were difficult for him last season and we know He's a momentum shifter. We know that he's able to drop bombs at a at a moment's notice, but we've also seen him get the green light too often. So it's going to be hard to justify him getting 25 mil It's or even 22 mil. I think 20 mil, we'll be lucky if we can get to that. And if they don't extend him, um, Pfizer said, do you guys know how that plays into potential trades? I mean, what kind of number would other teams look at if they see IQ in a, in a trade kind of position? Um, I think Dean had had the numbers right. Like, you know, for a restricted free agent, if they're trading for IQ, they're probably extending him almost immediately. That's probably a conversation that, if it doesn't come up, you know, someone should probably be fired somewhere. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that twenty five number is probably the magic number elsewhere. Uh, and then like maybe. Yeah, in terms of trades, like I think that that's probably what that would have to look like because you know he's a value first round pick. You, you know, there are the Lou Will comparisons. There's the ever 
like he's handcuffed to Tyrese Maxey. So like, you know, if you can get Emmanuel quickly on like starter minutes and things like that, you know, you'll probably see, you'll probably get like, whatever you trade, you'll probably feel real confident about it. Unless it's like a, uh, unless it's like a, like a, a, a real consistent starter. Like, cause I, I think, someone like IQ like you'll you'll get draft picks maybe uh and maybe you'll get like a ninth or eighth man maybe maybe you could get a starter if someone is selling so yeah you know the the narrative shifts if they don't extend him because then at that point you kind of have to assume that he will be in play for a trade for a superstar caliber player because if you don't do that, then you're just letting him walk away for free or you're risking signing into a much bloated contract because we've seen time and time again, players get offered monster contracts and teams are put in position where they're wondering if they have to match it and give them that contract or if, they, if they're just going to let him walk for free. And obviously the Knicks don't want to be in that position where they let a player like IQ walk away for free. And obviously I, us and a lot of you know Knicks fans don't want to see IQ just walk. Um, they'd rather keep him. But I think it's going to fall somewhat into the Obi Toppin kind of situation where they had to trade Obi Toppin to also give him an opportunity to ball out and get a bigger contract. Um, you don't, you, you won't, you don't want to have any issues within the team locker room of IQ wondering what's going to happen to him come February. Is he going to be traded? Is he going to get the minutes that he wants? Is the front office going to tell Tibbs like, yo, limit his minutes. Cause we don't want him to get a blow to contract once, you know, once it's summertime is going to be a lot of, potential issues if the Knicks don't extend him within the next eight days more than just trading him or letting him be a restricted free agent. Yeah. There's a few factors working against quickly right now. So one of them is the fact that, you know, he ended the regular season with so much shine um, just losing out on six man of the year. A lot of people thought that he deserved it. I thought he deserved to win six man of the year. And when you're the six man of the year, the runner up like that 25 million is probably a no brainer. Then he had a very weak playoffs and it was compounded by the fact that Tibbs didn't really trust him to get him out there more to, to come out of the slump he was in in the playoffs. And now he's in a, a little bit of a crowded rotation where, you know, we were talking about closing lineups before. For me, like my preference, I think Brunson, Randall, and one of Mitch or Hartenstein's always going to be on the court to close. But the two and the three are wide open to me. And like my order of who I would want to see out there quickly would be number one. But if RJ takes a leap and he's always in that closing lineup, then it's between quickly Hart, DiVincenzo and Grimes for the closing two spot. And if quickly is not consistently earning that closing spot, I think that, you know, I, I think that he might be um, playing himself out of a good bit of money. Like, I don't think he's going to be looking at 25 million a year. If he's the decidedly seventh man versus the six man who plays starter minutes. Yeah. I think if you really look at it, uh I think if you really look at it like with the moves that the Knicks made over the offseason with adding Dante DiVincenzo, I think it's signaling that one of IQ or Grimes will be moved because they're clearly in the market for another uh for a superstar to be added onto the team. And you don't get guys like that without getting without trading young players that that people want so i think adding a guy like divincenzo i don't think he's as good i don't think divincenzo is as good as iq or as good as uh, grimes i think they have higher ceilings but i think you could see that as a move that the knicks are looking that 
hey, if we do trade one of those guys, we have a guy like DiVincenzo to fill in that role, fill in that gap, which, you know, further goes into that Villanova Knicks uh, title. But uh, I, I think IQ at 25 million, like if we could make the money work with Evan Fournier's contract coming off this year and whatnot, I think it would be great for us because first of all, continuity, having a guy like IQ on this team. And, you know, we're talking about IQ not playing well in the playoffs. We really missed him in that heat series. And even when he wasn't shooting that well in the Cavs series, his defense was really key in, in winning that series. So I think IQ's uh, impact on this team is very underrated. And I think a lot of that is because we don't get to see a lot of like minutes for him. Uh, like it's a lot, a lot of inconsistency for the minutes with him because of Tom Thibodeau. But I think, I think he deserves the money that he's going to get. And I hope that money comes from the Knicks because I love IQ, man. He's he's the spark plug of the team. Like D- Dean's poster on the wall. Like when I seen that picture, IQ smiling like that. Like that's what I want to see the Knicks culture shift towards. And I would rather see him than DiVincenzo on the team because we just have more opportunity. And, you know, if you want to get value from a guy like IQ, give him more minutes. Other teams want him. Every time we've heard Knicks rumors, it's been about guys like Grimes, guys like IQ. There's a reason that other teams are looking at him because he's a great player. And I hope he gets to be a great player on the Knicks. Radio sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I think the last topic that we have before we wrap up this episode is we want to touch on the centers because yesterday we saw Hartenstein shoot a three, get the three in. We saw Mitch Mitchell Robinson block the shot at Carl Anthony happened? Towns. That happened. Oh, um so there's a RJ pass. Yeah. So there's there's legitimate conversation on how the lineup should be tinkered. Does it make more sense to start Hartenstein but let Mitch Robinson play the bulk of the minutes? Does it does it space out the floor? Does Randall get more opportunity to shoot his threes? Is that more beneficial? Or should we stick with Mitchell Robinson to kind of set the tone defensively for the game and let Hartenstein roll with the second second, you know, lineup? Um, how how do you guys feel about both both of these centers were, you know, in a rare position where we have two centers and Jericho Sims as being a third banana of players that have talent and are capable of doing multiple things in this, you know, in this roster right here. How do you guys feel about him? If I see Mitchell Robinson shoot a three in the regular season, I'm dead not watching another game. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even a mid-range nah. shot, I might be like, I'm nah, like bro. <laughs> do, do what you're good at, bro. Do what you're good at. This, I mean, this is this is not what I came here for, bro. Yeah, Mitchell Robinson definitely has a set of, of attributes and qualities that he's good for, and we've seen him excel at those qualities. Like, you know, basically holding Evan Mobley and Jared Allen at bay, outplaying both of those guys in, in the Cavs series. And like Dean said earlier, like being such a like a huge catalyst to – to being the reason we won, the reason we gentlemen swept them. And, you know, he's still not getting the respect he deserved, like, directly after outplaying Jared Allen. I think ESPN or another, you know, stupid contact list came out with, uh, uh, you know, rankings list where they put Jared Allen 50 and they put Mitchell Robinson 50 spots after at 100, even though he just severely outplayed him in a series. But, you know, that Jared Allen-Mitchell Robinson conversation has been having since, we've been having that since the Nets days um, for Jared Allen. But I, I think, I think you're going to see Isaiah Hartenstein stick to the same role as last year. This is preseason. That's why you're seeing a lot of those FN48 minutes. That's why you're seeing Isaiah Hartenstein shoot the threes. It's nice to have a player that has that in their repertoire, but 
I don't think you're ever like maybe one time you're not going to see Isaiah Arnstein shoot the three from in, in the regular season. That's just not a shot that the Knicks consistently want those guys to take as they've showed with their investment in that position. So um, I think Mitch should just stick to what he knows. <laughs> yeah. I think Mitch is like Mitch came in in great shape. I don't think there's any way you demote him. He's one of the most dominant offensive rebounders in the league. He's just right there with Steven Adams that's that's a quality that the Knicks really lean on and something that we think, um, you know, there's a lot of talk that other teams are going to try to emphasize that offensive rebounding too, just based on how much success the Knicks are able to have with it. And yeah, I think Mitch looks awesome and Hartenstein just makes so much sense as like a change of pace reserve big. Uh, that one dime to RJ yesterday was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see him hit a corner three. I hope he takes some of them, but the Knicks want their centers banging heads and getting offensive rebounds. So I would expect Hardenstein to be down there more often than not. So I would expect Mitch to not be at risk of losing that starting spot. Yeah. Like even the assertion of it, like, yeah, nah, you know, like Mitch is definitely who he is. Top five center. Yeah. In no? the East or in the NBA? NBA. I mean, if we're not talking about like Embiid, uh, after all those Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, all those guys, like yeah, I, I, I am like I put him like top seven, eight because of that type of those type of guys. But okay, uh, okay, cool, 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 cool. But well, yeah, what he does at his position, like, and I think people are starting to understand. I remember when a lot of people saw that contract at first, maybe even including myself, because I do remember kind of being critical of that contract, but. Uh, it felt like a little bit of a of a high pay for him, but he's been he's been clearly outplaying that contract. So you know, uh, zero complaints and that chemistry with RJ with the, with a little bit of the you know lob pass so that Mitch could get a dunk. It's it's been fantastic. It's like I feel like Knicks fans are in very uncharted territory because these players have been playing together their whole career. The consistency that we see with them, the chemistry that we have, it's nothing that like we've ever seen before in this modern era of the Knicks, of, of the post-2000 Knicks. So um, shout out Mitchell Robinson. <laughs> now that yeah. continuity is is crucial, man. I mean, you, you're the one who said if I use continuity on this team is unprecedented, it doesn't happen, but yet we're seeing the, what the fifth year in a row with Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett playing together on one team. Like that's it's beautiful to see. And like at the start of this episode, we we're talking about when Nick is started with Fizdale and you kind of put into perspective of where this team actually is. And it's not that bad of a position to be in. The problems that we're talking about, should IQ walk away, Quinn Grimes versus Steven Chenzo, Mitchell Robinson, Hartenstein, like these are all really good problems to have, none of which we had five years ago. So you got to kind of put that into perspective of where the team is now. And we're and that kind of build up phase to being a title contender. So, I mean, obviously, throughout the duration of the season, we'll, we'll keep talking about what the Knicks are and what they should be, you know, in, in the years coming up. But um, any last points you guys want to throw out there before we wrap up this episode? We were talking about Emmanuel Moutier versus Dennis Smith Jr. versus Frank Nilakina. And now none of those guys could sniff a minute off our bench. So bro, throw Jared Jack in the mix, bro. Jared Jack was a consistent player for the Knicks, man, around that yeah, time. So. Like, we just, like, to crack this Knicks rotation, you got to be as good as, like, Josh Hart or Hartenstein. That's crazy. Like, the Knicks are so deep. They don't play anyone who's a weakness. It's a beautiful thing to see. I still shudder when Evan Fournier is out there because, like, I just, I'm used to nobody on the court being a weak spot. And I still, even if he's hitting shots, I just don't like the way he moves on defense. 
I mean, I think I could, I could back that up, but yeah. I, I think if we look five years ago, if we knew five years from now, we have a team that made to the playoffs twice in three years and made to the second round and have a gluttony of young players, all with potential multifaceted, I, I think 10 out of 10 people, Knicks fans five years ago would have signed up for it. So not to say that this is where it should end. I think now in the next five years, we should be talking about Eastern Conference Finals multiple years in a row. We should be talking about at least getting into the NBA Finals. So uh, we'll we'll get into all that. Um, so shout out to you guys. Again, this first episode of Season 6. Appreciate all the listeners. Been rocking with Nickish for since 2018. Um, we have lots of things coming up this 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 season uh check out mill media on tiktok and instagram and twitter uh shout out shout out kunal shout out karen um shout out all you guys here all doing separate things um sid check him out sid slide park check out dean dean uh how do you pronounce your last name i don't want to butcher it joanna joanna check him out on twitter fights you've been rolling you've been rocking with nickish for the longest uh so check out what the fights um and check out instagram and twitter for nickish nickish nyc TikTok, Nickish NYC. Give us that five-star review on all podcasting platforms. Lots of big things coming ahead. Cop some Nickish apparel. Wear them to Nickish games. This is the best apparel you could wear to show that you're a Knicks fan right now. Um, and yeah, all on nick-ish.com. Until next time, take care. Peace. See you guys. <laughs>